This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. Yesterday, as I'm watching football, news broke that the legendary Leon Russell wrote so many songs, played piano for so many musicians, most notably Willie Nelson. He passed away yesterday at his home at the age of 74, so rest in peace, Mr. Russell. Thank you for the music. It went well with the Bruins' success of late. Man, they are on a roll right now, and, you know... To say it's for any other reason than Tuka Rask, I think, would just be simply asinine. He is the Boston Bruins right now. And, and this is what the Bruins wanted and needed for him in the last two seasons and probably was the difference. And I, this isn't me blaming Tuka Rask, but I'm just saying not seeing this Tuka Rask, the way he's performing right now, in the last two seasons is why they didn't make the playoffs, is one of the main reasons why. And that, again, this isn't me blaming him. This is me saying that the way this roster is currently constituted 
with all the youngsters filtering in, some veterans that really maybe shouldn't be playing anymore, or don't really have a place in the roles they're playing, and then your good players, the one thing they were missing was a goalie that could steal games. And Tuka Rask right now has the hockey police after him for highway robbery uh, for multiple times. Stealing multiple, games. Multiple offenses for highway robbery. <laughs> he is wanted across the league, uh, across this fine continent in North America. He almost, he, he's, he's just been unreal. He's the reason they're, they're winning games. It, the plain and simple. Period. Yeah. End of story. And you can see the team feed off him, too. Absolutely. You know, and he's just making insane saves. He's looked so calm out there. He's in his zone. And that's the difference right now. And we're hoping to have Mick Collagio, New Bedford Standard Times, join us. We are unable to track him down right now. Hopefully we can get him uh, during the segment and before the show's over. But uh, you and I can talk some Bruins, Justin, here in the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. And, you know, look, I just saw our uh, rear admiral. He's from WEI and yeah. Barstool Sports. who's was t- tweeting the standings. Uh, that, you know, show the Bruins in, in playoff spot right now and say, well, look at you, Boston. And I said, look, slow your roll. Slow down. Chill. All right? Relax. Now, I'm not by any means trying to take anything away from the success the Bruins are having right now or that Tukaras is having. I'm not trying to downplay it at all. But chill. Let's just take it game by game and let's enjoy it. Yeah. And, 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 and I think you'll be able to enjoy it more if you don't buy into what will soon become the hype machine from the Bruins and, and some of the local media and a, a portion of their fan base, that they, this team can win the cup. They're only a couple players away. They could, they could really continue. You never, they, know, you never know what buyers. can happen. You never know what can happen in the playoffs, <laughs> Sully. Uh, you know, you get in and anything can happen. You, you never know. And, and, and all of a sudden and, you end up with John Michael Lyles. And, 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 you know, this team is built to have a deep playoff Run, says the owner, Jerry Jeremy Jacobs. So, no, they're not. That hasn't changed. They still are what we thought they were, in the words of Dennis <laughs> Green. But you know what? They're winning. And give credit where it's due. And that's what we're doing. They're winning because they have a goalie that was just named the number one star in the NHL for the week. As he should be. <laughs> There's no okay, question there. Okay, a goalie who, uh, let's see. Rast started four games for the Bruins four this past week, compiling a 4-0-0 record with a .75 goals against average and a 9.70, a .970, excuse me, save percentage and two shutouts. Pretty good. He made 32 saves in the Bruins' 4-0 win over Buffalo a week ago tonight, last Monday, at TD Garden. He then stopped 15 of 17 shots in Boston's 5-2 home win versus Columbus this past Thursday. And then the 29-year-older also started both games of the weekend back-to-back road trip. They're still on the road. They'll play at Minnesota next. Uh, But he started both games, which was surprising, of the back-to-back, stopping 31 of 32 shots in the Bruins' 2-1 win at Arizona Saturday night, and then stopping all 20 shots he faced in the team's 2-0 win at Colorado last night. His impressive play has helped the Bruins vault into second place in an Atlantic Division standings. Uh, he is now 10-1-0 and is tied for the league lead in wins and shutouts with three. He ranks third in goals against average with a 1.4 GAA and fourth in save percentage at 0.945. 
Pretty good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Pretty good. But it's November. Yeah. Now, given that the Bruins have not had a legitimate backup, and we don't know how healthy Hudobin is, obviously not healthy enough for Rascal yeah. to start back-to-back over the weekend, and the fact that Hudobin, Hudobin has not looked good in his few starts, they're going to be playing Rass. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. going to be pounding him through the ice. I mean, he, he could very well start. Running, running him to the ground. He could, he could start 70 games. Yeah. That is not an overstatement. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. could very well happen. I would think the Bruins would like it to be more in the range of 57 to 63, but he could very well start 70 games. So that being said, is he going to be doing this in February no. and March? No, this is this is no because he's a human being. Yeah, it's a hot streak. It's okay, a, it's a very good hot streak, and it's and great. It's fantastic. And this is exactly what they need. Exactly, ride it while you have it. But it can't. He's not going to play this way. There's going to come a time though when the team in front of him cannot expect this out of him yeah. every single night. And that's why I tweeted to Rear Admiral and I said, slow down. Like, it's November. Chill. Enjoy it for what it is. And it's cool to enjoy and it's great. I think this team right now all of a sudden is overachieving. Yes, there are storylines. They're overachieving. They're playing well. You know? But if I have to Brandon Carlo has been... Fantastic. Wonderful. I thought he had a bad yeah. penalty last night, but he overall he's been he's been great. But if we get to another deadline and I got to deal with John Michael Wiles and Lee Stepnick, well, I'm going to lose my mind. And, and, and here's the thing. If we get to another deadline and the mantra out of TD Garden uh, and on the local airwaves is uh, the Bruins need to be active at the trade deadline. Uh, they got to go out and uh, give – who cares? Give up the farm. They could go all the way this year. No. No, you can't. <laughs> No, you're not. I don't care if they're first overall in the league. Yeah. Do not sell the farm to go all the way because it's not going to work. They are a mediocre team. A team, though, that right now will be fun to watch, like I say, and it's going to be entertaining. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be something to watch in the dog days of winter, and that's great. And, and if they can keep doing this, they, they're going to entertain us. They're going to give us hope. A season. Give us a season. But... Don't get carried away. Yeah. The Bruins need to remain focused on the future. And people say, well, what about wasting the prime years of Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron? How can you do that? Or David Krejci. They had their prime years. They went to two Stanley Cup finals. They won one. Okay, they could have won another if they didn't think they were going to walk over the Montreal Canadiens and didn't read their history books and see how many times the Canadiens stopped them from doing that. Yeah. They are who they are. And I think it's great. And that being said, like it's going to be really interesting to see Hudobin the next time he starts. Because I really do think this is something they have to watch right now. Rask has played a lot of games. Yes. <laughs> I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm wondering where he is in terms of games played amongst starters. He's got to be up there. He's got to be up he's there. He's got to be at the top. He's been, you've, you've been riding him, and, you, and rightfully so. He's and he's already well. been hurt twice. Yeah. yeah. So think about if he wasn't injured. He'd even yeah. have more games under his belt. But the fact that he's been hurt twice, and we know it was a groin issue and a hamstring those, those issue. Nag. Those nag. Those come just, back. Those don't just go so away. So that's, I was thinking over the weekend, and I actually sent an email to a couple agents of unemployed NHL goaltenders, one of them being former Minnesota Wild goaltender and Calgary Flame goaltender Nick Backstrom, yeah. who had some great years for the Wild. Uh, I asked, what's he up to? I didn't get a reply. I emailed again. Have the Bruins expressed interest? 
no reply. Which usually means I'm onto something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not confirming or denying anything here. I have no idea. I have no proof. But I got a feeling the Bruins are poking around right now. Yeah. Because they're not happy with their backup situation. The, Hudobin was great when he was here in 2013. He's a great guy in the locker room. Not been the same He's guy He's a here. jokester, but he's having some issues right now. And I think that combined with Rass' health, which has been shaky, and the amount of games he's played when he's healthy, I think the Bruins know right now they're going to need a more dependable backup. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hudobin comes out and has, say, two to three bad starts. Yeah. That mid-December or by the new year, there's a new goalie in the fold. I'm with you. Because there, there's no Cause way. Because there's nobody in the pipeline. I mean, Malcolm Subban is off to a horrible start. Yeah, not even close to ready. Zay McIntyre, I thought he had a valiant effort in Montreal, but he's still... He's still not ready. He's not yeah, ready. And he, and he still know? choked when it counted. Yeah. Um, that's a that's an interesting thing to watch there is yeah. the goaltending they, they situation. Can't, they can't... Yes, you ride Tuka Rask while he's hot, but he's not going to stay this way all and the time. And I'm not saying you go out and you, you, you acquire no, somebody yeah, we're not, and we're not, ways to pick Yeah, we're not going blockbuster here. If no. you could find somebody but that there's can some upgrade your backup, there. if you could find somebody that can make your backup a little bit better than, than Hudovin, you do it. You do it. You absolutely do it. My one concern is ownership trying to run the ship here. And I would hate for them to ship guys off. I get and less, they are. And, yeah, and I would hate for them to just ship off these prospects that they have lined up, you could have a team and a defensive core that could be fantastic for the next 10 years if you don't screw it up, if you don't screw it up. If I have to go through another deadline of John Michael Lyles, Lee Stepniak, you name it. How many uh, – Brett Conley, like name, name the guy. How many terrible trades have you made, third-rounders, second-rounders, to get guys that, one, don't end up helping you, and two, don't, don't improve you at all. You don't go forward. The whole point of this is to be going forward. If the kids take you to the playoffs, the kids take you to the playoffs. And it's a great story, and you ride it. You ride it as long as you can. You may get bounced to the first round, but guess what? You had a good year, and everybody improved, and Carlo improved. And say DeBrus comes up in the middle of the year. So you have kids that take you there. It's a good season. You can build on that. If you trade these guys off and you get to the first round and get bounced in the first round with Lee Stepniak and John, that doesn't help you. You go nowhere. You don't improve. So if the kids take you there, ride it. Absolutely ride it. But there's no reason to try to force anything here. There's no reason to force anything because you're not going anywhere. You really aren't. you got to build for the future. Don't screw it up. Please don't screw it up. I can't, I can't deal with another year of John Michael Wiles, Brett Conley, you name it. Because if that's the case, then what are we doing here? Ride the hot goalie, and if they take you there, they take you there. You know what? We'll get back to it. I've got the list here. Um, and we'll get back to it maybe in the final segment after we talk to Gabriel Morenci. But there's, there's some goalies out there, some guys who've had good careers. Some legit guys. That, that could be solid backups. So we'll get to that before we close the show. But next up, we're going to get back to football and some UFC talk off the top of the segment with Gabriel Morenci. He's a big UFC guy. And, man, there were some great fights. I'm not really into it, but I might be into it now. I'm not either. I'm usually not a UFC guy. After but... seeing the, the Woodley-Wonderboy fight, yeah. I, I might be a fan. Because that was all heart. That was unreal. And then, of course, McGregor uh, took care of Diaz in two rounds. So we'll talk to Gabriel Morenci about that. And then a tough week of NFL and NCAA football picks here on the stretcher on an ESPN New Hampshire. And again, rest in peace, Leon Russell. And one more for a 
You've got the routine. So put another name. Join the conversation at 603-883-9900. I've spent a lot of time, Joe, slating everybody in the company. Backstage, I'm starting fights off everybody. I've ridiculed everyone on the roster. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host, Justin Sullivan, working the boards there as always. That was Conor McGregor you heard there after he took down Diaz in grand fashion. Thrilling to all the Irish fans there. And I'll tell you something, man. When the Irish show up, the Irish show up. And they were they were in full force at MSG uh, for Mr. McGregor's win there. And a heck of a heck of a fight right before that against Woodley and Wonderboy. And uh, join us now to discuss that. And NCAA football and NFL football is our man Gabriel Morenci. Gabe, Conor McGregor apologizes to absolutely no one, does he? No, he doesn't, and he continues to uh, to dominate uh, by in operating in this fashion. But I have to tell you, Jimmy, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not uh, a charter member of the Conor McGregor <laughs> fan club. No, uh, we'll put it that way. No, but I got to respect the guy. I mean, he's only 28 years old, and you know he's made more money in the UFC than probably every other fighter in the history of the UFC combined, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, you know, he's the first the first guy that's actually calling his own shots and making big money doing it. I mean, you look at the UFC and the UFC has always been the brand, right? That's why it's UFC 205, UFC 206, UFC 100, UFC 200, et cetera. It's not McGregor versus Alvarez. They've always put the brand ahead of the fighter. Um, so, you know, it's similar to college uh, football, you know, the, the owners make a lot of money and the athletes don't, it was, it, yeah. it was sort of the same model. It's about the brand, not the fighter. So I respect Conor McGregor's business acumen. I mean, you know, the guy came out of nowhere, uh, but it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth because of his smack talk. It's not true. I mean, he says, well, no one's ever did this before. No one's ever had two belts in the UFC before, which is true. Uh, but nobody was ever given a title shot, you know, after losing two fights ago. Yeah. You know, nobody, he hasn't defended the 145 pound belt. 
he's never defended it. Right. You know, how long has it been? It seems feels like it's been like a year and a half now since he's fought Naldo. You know, although I'll give Connor credit, he does. He is very active for a top fighter, and a lot of top fighters aren't willing to risk it like Connor does. Uh, but without being stated, he hasn't defended the belt, and he beats Eddie Alvarez, who lost a couple of fights ago, who beat Rafael dos Anjos, who just got killed by Tony Ferguson. So let's not confuse the biggest hype fighter ever with being the best technical fighter ever, the best fighter ever. He seems to be confusing the two. But listen, Donald Trump just won the presidency telling people how he was the best. And now Conor McGregor has won, you know, basically the UFC yep. by telling people he's the best. We're in an era of brashness that and you know, brashness sells right now, evidently. Yeah, it does. It does. And I'm with you. I've never been a big man on that. I didn't I, I I thought it was funny. It was it was entertaining, but at the same time, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the generation act like you've been there before, and obviously well, he hasn't is, been there before. But I, it just show a little more professionalism. I I see where you're coming from. My deal is, Jimmy. Fine, you want to call up people in your weight class, go ahead, but don't be running around calling Tyron Woodley names backstage when the guy will knock your head off and you know it. Yeah, and you're not going to fight him. And now already, Conor McGregor doesn't want to fight Khabib. You know, Khabib's twenty-four and zero. Yeah, never lost a fight. A dominant, uh, dominant wrestler who would be a nightmare for Conor McGregor. But in similar fashion, as Ronda Rousey, when Ronda was the gravy train, they didn't want her fighting Cyborg, and they don't want him fighting Khabib right yeah. now. Uh, but Conor, Conor's going to get his, and you know he better be saving the money uh, that he's making because he's going <laughs> to lose in spectacular fashion sooner rather than later. He's talked his way in, you know, he's talked his way to the top. You know, you can't run forever. I mean, yeah. I imagine he's not even going to defend the 145-pound belt. They'll set him up, I would imagine, against Tony Ferguson since they don't really want to have him fight Khabib, who would probably take him down and beat him. So, you know, it's not like he takes on all comers. He takes on all comers in the best circumstance that he can beat type of thing. <laughs> I'm with you, but I, you know what? It was interesting. I was uh, I was at a packed bar there, and obviously everyone was waiting for that fight, and you know, they get into the fight right before, and it looks like it's going to be over in a second. And of well, course, was it wasn't. Fight. That was. Fight was I mean, it. look, I, I said right off the top, I am not a, I'm not a UFC guy. I don't watch much MMA. I, I, you know, I used to watch boxing a lot, but I don't even remember a boxing fight like that in real life, other than maybe in the Rocky movies, where you saw a guy just get literally destroyed and pummeled to the point where I'm watching that. You know, and, and I'm fearing for Wonder Boy's life there, Gabe. I mean, I, I'm like, th- like, what's going on? This guy's going to die in front of us right now. I mean, he was taking a savage beating. And to to stick around and come back the way he did and force a split decision, I mean, that guy's got some heart. Well, it was an epic fight. And um, I thought, you know, I thought the fight was going to be called, and it wasn't. And if it was Conor McGregor in this thought, it would have been called. Yeah. You know, once again, so you watched it too, and you're not a huge UFC fan, you just stated. Uh, but so how do you think Conor McGregor would do against Woodley? Do you think that's a fair Oh, I fight? think he'd get destroyed. Exactly. So why is he running around? And, and I don't him, think you know, he would, I don't think he'd show the heart that, that uh, Thompson showed there either. I don't think he exactly. would stay in there. You know, Conor McGregor tapped out in like 10 seconds, all right, uh, when he fought Diaz. Diaz, yeah. like, Diaz is like, you know, he's like a 500 fighter. And he lost a couple of fights ago. That's back to back to uh, to Connor. That's what leaves a bad taste in my mouth about Connor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the Woodley Thompson fight, Woodley had it. It was an epic fight uh, for UFC fans that are tuning in right now. They know 
uh, probably where I'm going with this when I state, you know, the scoring system sucks, man. In that, you know, you could probably argue that Wonderboy won three rounds. You know, Woodley really didn't do very much in the fifth round. But, you know, who went to the hospital after the fight? And I'm not one of these guys that, oh, this guy was bleeding and the other guy, you know, wasn't. So he got beat up more. Some guys, you know, some guys just bleed easier. You know, they, you know, they have their skin. George St. Pierre is one of the greatest fighters ever, man. If the wind blew, he got a black eye, mm-hmm. right? So you can't gauge on, on, uh, on the physical appearance of a fighter after. But, but you know, let's, let's be real. Thompson, uh, you know, Thompson got his face caved in. Yeah. Uh, you know, Woodley knocked the crap out of him. It was a 10-8 round, which is very rare, Jimmy. It's always 10-9. But basically the way it works, so you got five rounds, and you're supposed to just sort of throw out who won the previous round. Okay. Who won the most rounds? That's what it comes down to. And you never really get into, well, there's a difference between sort of outpointing a guy. Yeah, he probably – he probably won a round as opposed to one of the rounds that you saw in which you thought, oh, my God, Wonder Boy's about to die, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, it's maybe a draw is the best way to go in the end of this, actually. Yeah. Uh, but in the old Pride days, Jimmy, which was, you know, an old Japanese company, they basically scored the fight as a whole as opposed to okay. each individual round. And I would like to see that. I think this, you know, the 10-point system that we live in right now is kind of archaic and we don't, or they should be more gratuitous and do more 10 eights. Yeah. So I can live with it being a drop, but what was a real screw job, Jimmy, is I had, I had Woodley, man, like plus 160, and I had a lot of money on it. Oh, and boy. I was an idiot, and I bet on uh, the Washington Huskies to beat USC. <laughs> you knew where we were going there, my yeah, friend. Yeah, and I was an idiot because, you know, I had a couple other losses along the way. I don't even know what happens to me, Jimmy. My picks don't suck. My money management does. <laughs> like, if I was the president, America would be bankrupt. Like, it really would be. But what happened, Renzi? I don't know. I, you know. I thought we had more taxes coming in, and I bet it. Like, I don't have to tell you. But, like, like seriously, it was just so freaking frustrating. <laughs> So I'm having a rough night on Saturday night. You know, I host an MMA show, Jimmy. I'm pretty good at betting MMA. Yeah. I'm starting to get on a little bit of a, of a roll here. All right. You know, I lost a couple early fights. I hit a big dog in Yol Romero at plus 170. Uh, so I was feeling good about myself. I really liked Woodley a lot. And I, I said I said all week, people, you know, I don't know why Thompson's a minus 200 favorite. You're underestimating the champion. So I really felt good when Woodley was knocking the crap out of him. I, I I swear I thought, you know what, this actually might be a draw because of the 10-8 round. Uh-huh. But when Bruce Buffer said, and still champion, I celebrated, man. I got up, yeah, man, <laughs> plus 160, pretty big play. I'm like, man, that, and the first thing I thought, I was like, that just erased like four bad college football bets I made today. Because <laughs> you know? it was a big play at plus 160. And then only to have like two minutes later, then come in and go, oh, no, sorry, we messed up the card. Uh, we, we added it up wrong. It's actually a draw. Like, oh, man. Like, it just, it was a precursor of how bad my Sunday was going to be, Jimmy. Oh, I got to tell you, man. Let, let, let's quickly, let's go. It was Did just. You hear, it, like the phone beep, like when, you know, the other line ringing? It's probably my bookie calling me. Where's my money? <laughs> All right. I hope your kneecaps are right. Let's go to something right here because it was one heck of a college football Saturday. Listen to this. Jake Browning, he's got to take off sometimes to loosen up this USC defense. Here's Browning. Steps up, throws across the field. And intercepted by Jackson. Adoring Jackson again. And USC can feel it now. 
I mean, and and it just that was the culmination. I mean, we we don't even have we won't even get into the the Pitt Clemson game uh, or the Michigan Iowa game. But I was saying to Sully uh, off the air, I'm like, can you imagine, uh, Gabe, if somebody had the money lines on all three of those upsets and took the underdogs? I mean, you'd be paying for a house right now. Yeah, you know, and I should have I should have known better actually after the after the Clemson game. I knew Washington was going to lose, but my bet was already in. Yeah. You know, so I was kind of toast. I was like, man, I should just grab USC on the money line. It's going to be one of these days. And I'm a Michigan fan, and I was very concerned about that football game as well. Yep. Uh, Michigan's lost in Iowa a lot over the years. I saw that. Yeah, it's just one of these tough places to play, man. You know, you go there on a Saturday night. You know, they're all fired up. It's not like Iowa's a win. They're not Rutgers, you know. Right. Um, You know, they haven't had the best of seasons. But what's amazing, and I guess it's the first time, what, two, three, and four have lost since uh, since 85? Yeah. But what's amazing, Jimmy, how little impact it really has on the big picture, right? Right. It, it's, it's amazing to I'm me. I'm shocked. Like, pretty much the Washington Huskies are the only ones that are screwed right now. Because nobody respected them screwed, anyways. But... It's like you said before, though, coming into the game, they weren't getting the respect they deserved anyway, so now they... The... The doubters have a reason to just send them out, you know? Well, that's why I'm saying they're the ones. Like, really, Clemson were in the championship game last year. If Clemson win the ACC, they're getting in ahead of the Washington Huskies. The Michigan Wolverines losing, it was almost irrelevant. I'm not going to say it's irrelevant, but listen, the coaches in the AP poll today uh, came out, and they were both both identical, with Michigan being ranked fourth. Mm -hmm. Louisville third, Ohio State second, uh, Clemson fifth, and Alabama first. I read that in a weird order. but um, (laughs) um, So, Michigan are fourth, Ohio State are second. You know, nothing, like, you know, Michigan might fall. I mean, what, are they going to be fifth in the rankings? Then they beat Ohio State and Columbus, and then boom, they're right back in it in the Big Ten championship game. That's a big game. So, yeah, it's almost, you know, it didn't affect Michigan. Clemson's still in a decent spot. They're ranked fifth in the AP yeah. in, the co- in the coaches' poll. Uh, the playoff rankings will be very similar. Uh, we saw before that even when Washington was undefeated, they weren't getting a lot of respect. Louisville sort of replaces Washington right I was just going to ask you about Louisville. So what yeah, do you think happens to them? the media likes Louisville. They like the Heisman aspect. They like okay. Lamar Jackson. It's too bad that the Houston Cougars are so banged up coming in a Thursday night's game. Looks like it could be a true red, you know, a true freshman playing, taking his first snaps in the oh, era King, a quarterback for the Cougars. That's too bad because it would have been nice to get a Greg Ward, Lamar Jackson battle on Thursday. So Louisville's right there, uh, but you know what's going to happen if Clemson uh, wins uh, wins that um, wins the ACC, which they probably will yeah. when it's all said and done. And what's really interesting about this is nobody's talking about them. And, you know, I certainly wasn't a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But the Penn State Nittany Lions are suddenly in the mix. Yeah. As, as crazy as this is, um, they've got two losses, Penn State. But uh, let's say they, they win their next two games. And I think they're playing Rutgers and Michigan State. Uh-huh. Um, or is it not Michigan State? It's, it, they're both winnable games. So um, let's say uh, Penn State wins out. Um, they win the tiebreaker against Ohio State. Let's say Ohio State, even if Ohio State beats Michigan and Penn State wins out, it's Penn State going to the Big Ten Championship game. Can you imagine? Ohio State wouldn't even play in the Big Ten Championship game. So Ohio State could win out, beat Michigan. They're not even going to the championship game. (laughs) 
Like it's it's bizarro world. Yeah, like that's what really I'm saying, is. Jimmy. Like we can't lock anything in, man. No. Like my head just starts to sort of unravel. I'm like, wow, yeah. And, and it didn't you get know? any well, easier on Sunday. That? It didn't get any easier Sunday, did it? I mean, your head must have been on a swivel there because some of those games, wow. Well, you know, we'll we'll tie in college football and pro football. And I said this earlier, but I didn't know that Mark Helfrich and Brady Hoke and the Oregon Ducks. Uh, coaching staff took over the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. <laughs> I thought I was watching an Oregon Duck game with, uh, you know, bad defense and a team for one reason or another going for two every time and never getting it. <laughs> like, like, you know, I knew right out of the gate. I had big money on the Steelers. I knew right out of the gate I was screwed when they when they went for two out of the gate. Yeah, you know, we were off to a great start here. You know, why don't why don't we just go for two right away? Yeah, why and not? they ended up leaving four points on the field. They lost by five, but it would have changed the whole element. Yeah. I mean, Elliot never pops that big run because they would have stacked the box because Alice would have needed a touchdown. Like, there's just so many, like, for the life of me, I don't know why he did that. Yeah. And, then, and then he did it again. And in all game, it was just this weird score. Betters, you know, were going crazy because it was minus two and a half. You're trying to add up. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, this is like every time it was like, all right, if they just get this damn two, it'll make up for the last one. It's almost like my bets. <laughs> so we kept missing. And then by the end of it, oh, I was irate. And then by the end of it, you know, they could have uh, they could have had the three-point lead. They missed the two again at the end, Jim. Oh, yeah. I know. Like it was just, and, it was a freaking debacle, man. Please don't tell me you chased with the Chargers. Please don't tell me you did. No, I had a small piece of the Dolphins, actually. Oh, good for you. And I, you know, I what did you, did you know that Philip Rivers Seahawks. was going to you? Philip Rivers uh, started a new charity for the Dolphins. I mean, like, what what was he thinking yesterday? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've I've said it before, time and time again. Philip Rivers is the most religious man uh, in the National Football League. And you know Philip Rivers' dedication to the to the Lord pretty much proves that the Lord doesn't care about who wins football games. Because you know, for all the praying that Philip Rivers does, he figured out like ten Super Bowl championships right now. You know, like he's the Ned Flanders. You know, like I'm amazed, like that he can't just say, "Come on, come on, God, it's me, Phil," and then you know all the defenders fall down like the sea, it parts like the Red Sea, and then he just sort of stum walks in for a touchdown and wins the Super Bowl. He's such a good guy. He's a good quarterback. He's having a great year. He had a bad game. Yeah, <laughs> you know? A bad, bad game. You just like created a new Simpsons episode. That was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it's fitting. There should be a movie. You know? <laughs> Philip Rivers is Moses. <laughs> what other games? Uh, I mean, man. I mean, that... don't forget, Philip Rivers did, doesn't want to move to LA with the Chargers because it's a cesspool of contamination in Hollywood, right? He's like, I don't want my kids growing up around that stuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, there were some great games though. The NFL finally got a weekend where they could say, you know what, we had some entertainment out there. And I'm just asking you, betting wise aside, what game did you really get glued to? Well, the Pittsburgh uh, the Pittsburgh Dallas game was obviously a classic with the seven lead changes. Yep. But then the Sunday nighter was right there. Oh, that was you know, great. I don't wasn't think it? you could have asked for anything more in the Super Bowl rematch. The game pretty much mirrored each other, except yeah. this time, you know, the it was uh, it was New England on the goal line. Yeah, and you know, Seattle are an interesting football team in which, you know, they struggled early this season. But I tell you what, Jimmy, would you want to play them in January in the playoffs in a one-and-done? You know, Russell Wilson's starting to get healthier. The offensive line isn't great, but they've they've gone from, let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, 
the Seahawks O-line for the first like month of the season was like a two or a three. It literally was that bad. Like Russell Wilson was going to get killed. He was running for his life. He had no time, like literally no time. Now there's, you know, right now they're probably playing on a, on a scale of one to 10, the O-line, let's say about a five right. or a six, a five. Uh, but that's good enough for Russell Wilson. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, man. You know, Usain Bolt could be taking a snap and a <laughs> shotgun, but if the O-line blows, he's not going to be able to get it going. So at least Wilson, they're giving him a little bit of time right now. And we see if you give this kid time, he's going to make plays. And, and he's starting to make more and more plays. That's a dangerous football team right now. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, you know, the only thing dangerous about the Packers is actually betting on them, <laughs> which is just, oh, you know, never absolutely again. pathetic. I saw your I tweet. I saw your tweet. Game. You better stick to your tweet there, Gabe. I saw you promise the world you're never betting them again. No, no, I'm done. I'm done with the Packers. Right. <laughs> the only thing is, there's a lot of teams I'm done on now, Jimmy. I don't know what to bet on. <laughs> like, there's only like four teams left in the league I don't despise. <laughs> hey, how about my Buccaneers, though, eh? Yeah, I didn't tell, I didn't take that. I should have taken them. I didn't touch that game. I had Winston in fantasy, though. So Yeah, me too. Uh, was, I, was, I, I see that, uh, you know, Jay Cutler, I saw a headline today. The, the, room, <laughs> the room no longer believes in Jay Cutler. You think? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. Brutal. Like what? Now it took you guys now to, to realize, <laughs> and I'm sure the fact that he, uh, you know, Mike Evans, of course, uh, took a knee yesterday in protest of Trump's victory. Oh yeah. And Jay Cutler says after the game that uh, I'm against that. In fact, I'm happy Trump won. Oh my god. And I'm thinking, you know, Jay, you just turned the ball over like 13 times. <laughs> I'm guessing that like 92 percent of the dudes on your team hate Donald Trump, <laughs> and then you come out. And then his exact words, I like the direction the country's going in. Oh, my God. In which, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, and I saw that last night. I was thinking, uh, Cutler, you're an idiot, dude. He like, really is. He's you know, just... you're going to get punched in the face now. Like, how you know, did he ever you know, get that How many wife? guys on the Bears defense want to punch him? <laughs> but, you know, and now when I saw that, I was just waiting for the backlash. And it hasn't come yet. But, of course, the story, he's lost the room. Yeah, <laughs> you think? Yeah, he lost it a long time ago. Hey, quickly, Gabe, we got we to gotta cut to break here. But I want your take on tonight's game. I'm guessing you like the over. Yeah, I do like the over a lot tonight. I think it's going to be an aerial attack uh, tonight. We've seen sort of the theme this week of you know a lot of throwing, higher scoring games, back and forth games. Uh, the Giants can't run the football, so they're going to be they're going to be throwing the football. Uh, both defenses are pretty bad against the pass. Giants ranked 27th against the pass. The Bengals ranked 20th. Uh, I think you could tease either side of this game. Yeah, you know, like uh, the numbers going all over the place. But if you get the Giants teased up to plus eight. To, to the over 40, I like that. If you got the uh-huh. Bengals teased up to plus seven, I think that's a decent play. Uh, I like the um, I like both quarterbacks to throw over one and a half touchdown passes yeah. uh, this evening, and uh, Andy Dalton to pass for over 271 yards tonight as well. I could see that happening as well. I'm with you on that, Gabe. Listen, always a pleasure, my friend. We will talk to you Friday. Keep up the great work. Hey, always a pleasure, guys. All right, that's Gabriel Morenci joining us on a Monday, as he always does, and, of course, on Fridays as well. Always the best segment of the week. I love talking to him. And uh, we are the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We will be back to close up this show on a Monday.
listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Looking for a stylish place to call home? Then you need to check out the brand new apartment homes in Lowell at 24 Merrimack Street. The apartments at 24 Merrimack Street are located in historic downtown Lowell and offer unique apartment living within an historic 19th century building. Residents enjoy brand new interiors and unparalleled lifestyle amenities. Just moments from downtown Lowell's boutique shops, cafes, and entertainment. For more information, please visit 24MerrimackStreet.com. Again, that's 24MerrimackStreet.com. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Stelchik with Elise Jolly from Merrimack High School. Can you tell me a little bit about some of your activities at school? I am a part of the Merrimack Volleyball Select. I'm on the swim team and the track and field team in the spring. I do student council. What would you say the swim, lacrosse, basketball, track and field have in common? Anything? <laughs> the team atmosphere experiences you have with each team within and the sport you find between the team. What is it like? to know that you're leaving your school, that you've been so involved in with your friends and all your activities, to know that you're going to be leaving that. Are you excited or are you nervous? Like, it's exciting to see what else the world has to offer and what else is out there. But at the same time, having to like leave your comfort zone and throwing yourself out there is a little nerve-wracking because you feel so much. And like, I think it's going to be different to like... Elise, where are you looking at going to school? Playing volleyball at the University of Delaware in New York. So I'm really excited to be down there. I'm looking at maybe doing something along like biology in the biological sciences. And And who would you say has influenced you the most in your academics? I would say that my siblings, I have both four older siblings, and one of them, my brother James, has definitely led me to be who I am today. Um, And Tammy Lambrell, because she has been there for me for the past five years. That was Elise Jolly, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month for October. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gait video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Your business in search of commercial property. Garrison Glen Corporate Park, located in Exeter, New Hampshire, is a highly desirable suburban business park located just 10 minutes from Portsmouth. There are four lots remaining, ranging in size from approximately 10 to 20 acres. That's Garrison Glen Corporate Park in Exeter. Don't let this opportunity slip away. For more information and other property listings, visit CushmanandWakefield.com. CushmanandWakefield.com. Granite State game day, Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Everyone's clamoring now for them to trade the pick. The fact remains that you should have just listened to me at the trade deadline. I said then, trade the pick. If you can get the right move, trade the pick. Because you don't know, it could be get it could become more valuable, it could become less valuable. And I think because they didn't land in the top two, it became a little less valuable. Dragon Bender, who played 13 minutes a game in Israel, does not is not attractive to me. Only on ESPN New Hampshire. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. I took her out. It was a Friday night. 
And this will be the quickest segment in the history of ESPN New Hampshire Radio. We are up against it, because always, Gabe with full information. Great segment with Gabriel Morenci. And we want to thank all our other guests, Peter Yiannopoulos, uh, John Serenades, uh, Coach Sean McDonald. Who else am I mean? Cole Wright. And I think that's about it. And uh, thank you for a great show, Justin Sullivan, as always. And uh, we both get the Giants tonight. We'll recap all our picks again tomorrow, and we wish you a very good Monday night. This has been the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. She said, No, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not all right. I lost my head on the door.